We ain't repeating the past, we beating them fast, straight cheating the class like a millennial eating an ass. Brain slick precipice of anime shit. Watching caddy chips with improbable tits and ten story mecha troll robot fits, grabbing our thick, sick, slick tentacle dicks. Killing it, son. We don't need a pulse rifle. Chilling at home, getting white foods to fight you with mail or sword. Getting ready to slice and dice you. Running through Japan like a motherfucking typhoon. Is that too soon? We know you need this. You better believe this. Episode 2 of You Better Believe It. Today we're talking Goku Midnight Eye by Yoshiaki Kawajiri. It came out in 1989. It is a two-part mini-series. Good Lord Nate, what is happening in Goku Midnight Eye? Holy shit, this two-part mini-series. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know where to start with this. I have I have so many notes. Uh I mean, we, this could go on for three or four hours pretty easily. It is something else, because I think I just kind of picked this out of the ether. Uh, it was in a list of kind of cyberpunk, and I know that's where our tastes generally lie, at least for sci-fi. So I put... Oh, it's perfect tangent from the Cowboy Bebop movie, too, to kind of go this direction. Yeah, uh, I also had no idea that Stephen Blum, at least in the dub that we watched, voiced the main character, which made it even more weird. That's right. We got a, a slightly more misogynistic version of Spike. Slightly. Again. <laughs> oh, well, that, yeah. It, okay. One of my notes is misogyny as shorthand for toughness, which yeah. is just what this movie is up and down. Yeah. Um, Some guys are assholes to women, and they don't even apologize for it. Yeah, this uh, this whole thing, as the kids would say, is problematic. Uh, Supremely. They're, I mean, what? What was most problematic? Was it the midget stormtrooper uh, Stanley Tucci riding the uh, redheaded motorcycle cat lady who was topless? Or uh, yeah, we we got past the implied nudity and went straight full on nudity in here, and it's all a little uncomfortable. Oh, it's deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, the fact that the fact that our first nudity is is uh, a topless woman wearing just like a thong who uh fans out like a peacock to hypnotize people yes uh that's just where we start with this i mean and then we get into full-on like uh, i i don't even know what did weird date rape sort of uh woman in the refrigerator situation that motivates the second half of the first part of the miniseries can we talk First, before we get into anything else, um, about the attire of the main character, which I found inordinately distracting and was not able to take it seriously whatsoever. Yeah, my, my, my second note here. Uh, the first note, in fairness, is this is a solid cold open with an interesting chase. Yes. Uh, followed by a no-shirt tie-and-jacket combo. Interesting. <laughs> Like, he for sure looks like he's showing up at your aunt's bachelor part bachelorette party. Oh, yeah, yeah. He he is going to be like, hey, uh, I'm here to arrest you, group of 40-year-old ladies, and then strip. Has this we ever been a thing that's happened? Has that ever been a fashion that you're aware of? Because I've never seen this before, and it is profoundly bizarre. 
No, it's it's absurd. And I really thought he wasn't wearing a shirt until like what the last eight minutes of the first part, where it's revealed that what he's wearing is a really deep cut unitard. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Which I guess plays into the whole uh, pole vaulter as superhero uh, ethos of this character. Oh, the pole vaulting thing. Um, so this was directed by the same person who directed Ninja Scroll, which along with Cowboy Bebop was part of the triumvirate of anime that was passed around dorm rooms, uh, Akira being the lead of those three. Sure. And if you're familiar at all with that, where uh, have you seen Ninja Scroll? No, I haven't. It is a, Maybe we should watch that for this. It is a movie where a rock demon rapes a woman in half. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, we, we got really close to that in this. Oh my god. What is this about? Because it's okay. two stories. It's like an anthology with two episodes that are not connected whatsoever. So I, my, my understanding is this is based on a, on a manga, right? Yes. So... I think what we're what we're witnessing is uh, how disorienting it would be to try to say uh, watch just the trash compactor scene in Star Wars and have the entire rest of the saga in comic book form, but just get like here's an hour about them in the trash compactor. Wasn't that interesting? You have no context for anything. <laughs> Yeah, um, so the lead character, Goku, is a private investigator? Yeah, he, he appears to be, like, either a retired or somehow crooked cop who left, and now he's a P.I., and when we meet him, he's, I guess, chasing down a, another cop who might be crooked, who has, like, a really cool bionic arm. Yeah, that, an gets... almost a Tetsuo-esque bionic arm animation. It is so cool, and then he just wastes that guy, and that's the end of him. And no one else has cool bionic arms. Everybody else's powers here on out are exponentially weirder and more difficult to understand. Yeah, and Goku was a member of Tokyo's horniest police force. Yeah, it's all these dudes that they all they seem to be doing is, like, getting hard and dying is, is like, the plot. <laughs> And the, and there's one female cop in the in the entire group whose name where where's her name? Uh, oh, what what is her name? What's the name of the? I wasn't aware that the female characters had names. Maybe she uh, she the the female character in the second half definitely does. Oh, I think maybe her name was Yoko. Okay, was the was the cop? Sure. But, uh, so. You know, I, I okay. So this 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 first part opens on this chase sequence. He's like interrogating this other cop. This other cop is dead, uh, and then we find out that a bunch of these other like I don't know uh, top top of the line cops in Tokyo are are just dying. They're all killing themselves in confusing and mysterious ways. Uh, I love uh, his line about the cop in the strip club who's watching the motorcycle get undressed. Yes. The, that uh, he wouldn't kill himself because the stripper wasn't finished. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is like, and that's something that you almost pave over because the stripper is a woman who has handlebars, literal handlebars that are fused to her spine at her shoulders. And she crawls around acting like a cat. 
Yeah, this whole, like, right from Jump Street, this kind of just obliterated my psyche. Yeah, I, 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 I could not figure out what was going on. And the, and the thing that's weird is that, honestly, like, I didn't hate these. <laughs> I thought they were really cool in tone and design, but they were terrible <laughs> in almost everything else. Yeah, I'm... <sighs> Nate, these movies are garbage, right? Like... Like, besides the animation and Stephen Blum's performance, kind of, like, they are complete trash. But I'm, like, I don't know if I love it or I'm just fascinated or I think that's what confused. it was. They're, they're transfixing. Yeah. But they're not good. No. They're, they're, they're literally awful. It's like, it's like somebody did the roughest possible sketch. Like, we're talking about someone who can't even make a stick figure convincingly doing a sketch of what a... A tough private eye would be and what these particular cases are and who these people would be facing off against we're like everybody is is uh, over the top absurd scene scene chewingly bad with everything yeah like goku voiceover is so hard-boiled not only does it break the shell of the egg but it breaks the pot and kills everybody in your house like it's, it's yeah, it's like, it's like a movie written by an alien who's a twelve-year-old boy that learned how to communicate with humans by reading Mickey Spillane novels. That's yeah, I I would believe that was how this was constructed too. I mean, you, it's uh, it's like whatever those the the different machine learning experiments they do where they're like, hey, so we're going to have th- this thing pay attention to how lawyers email each other, and then it's going to write a love letter as a lawyer, right? I, th- Everything is hapless, uh, over-the-top exposition, and then just these really crass, snide, not even clever remarks, left and right. And then it's just like, okay, so uh, you have to die now, and you have to die now, and I'm a badass at the end. There is is a line Goku has when the motorcycle stripper uh, reveals her, her... oral laser blast that I swear to God, I watched this line three times and he says the bitch have laser breath. Oh God. I didn't notice that, that grammatical issue. It could be just the fact that go ahead. Sorry. No, I was saying it could just be kind of a mumble mouth thing, but it's that Steve. I'm like, Ooh, the bitch have laser breath. (laughs) And I died. And the number of times that women are referred to as bitch in both of these. Yeah. Like, like there's literally there. This this two part thing dismisses the existence of women as valid 100. percent And it is it is terrible. The the best thing that happens is he he meets that Yoko the the female cop, and she's at the firing range. And apparently she's, like, one of the better shots on the force. And then she does nothing after that. Yeah, I mean, basically every, at least in the first one, every character that's not Goku is just, like, set dressing. They're there to either deliver a bit of exposition or to be fought or to be molested. And that is it. Like, there's no... Each one of these episodes is between 45 and 55 minutes long, somewhere around there. So it's about a feature-length film put together, maybe a little bit longer. And there is zero character development at all. Like I, I, I question whether there are characters at all. 
it's like not only is it um misogynist and rapey and but it's also impossibly stupid and needlessly yeah. convoluted oh i mean the, the, okay his the the midnight eye of the title is that for some reason about two-thirds of the way through the first hour he is captured and imprisoned by some unseen scientist who replaces his left eye with a supercomputer that can control everything <laughs> everything nate, nate they he says the word left eye more times than Chili and T-Boz did in their entire career. I swear I, I, to Christ. I applaud you for bringing that in there, because I, I was gonna, I was looking for a TLC joke. <laughs> I mean, it is, un- he must say, if he says left eye less than two dozen times, I, I, I'd be shocked. Not just his eye, he specifically mentions it's his left eye incessantly. Oh, yeah. No, he, and, and... And it's, I mean, it, it really feels like it's supposed to be something that we're supposed to know about and be psyched that he's using. But in reality, it's just, it's like, hey, we, we didn't actually write a story up until now. Now this mechanism is going to finish the story for us. And that's it. it there's, you, there's, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I didn't. Go ahead. I was going to say this, it feels like there's about six hours missing <laughs> in this like it is so like like i said the first two parts are not connected i mean whatsoever yeah uh, you never find no. out who is responsible for his super eye and in a world full of cyborgs and every other kind of mechanical who's a fudge a woman reacts to him after being attacked by flying cybernetic dogs Reacts to him having a computer eye with complete incredulity, and I don't understand why. Yeah, the, this this world has no common language, and that's part of the problem. Oh, it's, it's like... A Tower of Babel thing? I mean, it's... It, okay, part of part of his eye is, is that the scientist voiceover guy in a, another exposition dump says... You have control over the launch codes for all of the nuclear weapons in the world. In your eye. This is said and let go. Like, yeah. that's not a thing that, that would be super significant or even absurd. No. <laughs> and, and he's totally cash about it. Like, he, he like, there's no, uh, he doesn't have, like, the weight of the world on him or anything. He is just so fucking cool. He wakes up on a bench in the rain presumably with no idea where he's been, and he's just kind of like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> oh, and I guess I'm going to go beat up this twerpy uh, punk that's in the park. In addition to um, getting the power of all the gods and all the realms, he's given uh, a collapsible shower curtain rod. I, I said <laughs> that it was like a cheer baton of death. <laughs> It comes. It comes to him the way that a that like a, a marching band baton would fly through the air, but it's, yeah, it's it's basically like it's it's a penis allegory. Yeah, that is also a pole vault and can shoot lasers. It, it seem it it seems to be able to do anything that it wants to. I if you would have told me that this movie is thirty percent pole vaulting, I would not have believed you. 
but it is. He's. I he's say that, I'd say that's conservative that it's thirty percent pole vaulting. <laughs> when he's not pole vaulting, he's either for some reason uh, looking at a naked woman, whether she's trying to hypnotize him, murder him, or she's. A, a partner who's been temporarily turned as a trap, um, or he's driving around in his Corvette. Yeah. Um, also, this baton. What's what's the maximum height of the baton? Like two hundred feet. Like when it's all oh, it's, world, as far as we know. Yeah. It, it it seems to be able. Like it it will go uh, fifteen twenty stories easily. It doesn't it, it doesn't seem to have a, a, a limit. In in. Uh... In practice, it's like a normal size baton, but really, to get the extension that this would need, it would be like roughly the size of a building, like in diameter. Because oh yeah, no, it would, it would have to be massive. There is no way that anything tell something that's like what the, the two inches maybe in diameter yeah. is going to telescope infinitely. But maybe, it does. Maybe there's a pocket dimension inside of this thing that it goes into. It, or like what? You remember the old Transformers cartoon where sometimes they could fit inside of each other, like they're all unstable molecules or something for some reason? Oh, yeah, well, the the, the cassette tape guy that fit into uh, the boombox one. Yeah. But they were the same size when they were robots. Yeah. I'm, I'm at a loss. You said you have a lot of notes, right? Because I'm at a loss as how to really talk about it. at least the first part. The second part has a little bit more meat on it. Yeah, but the second part is also the second in our series of two episodes that is, uh, tre- even more so this one, a tremendous ripoff of Blade Runner. Oh, yes. One, a 1,000% ripoff of Blade Runner. Uh, I, I, here, this is, these are the things I've got that's interesting. So, you know, we're talking about we have the technology to have an infinitely telescoping baton of, of small stature. And yet for some reason, and, and this goes into the misogyny of the thing. So he goes to Yoku to Yoko's house uh, when when it's a trap and there's like just the the big like I don't know the sidekick heavy that that is ultimately meaningless because no one no enemy in this or actually no one but Goku in the first hour has any meaning whatsoever and they all are discarded and die so easily that it's like nothing is earned and there's no challenge at all. But he goes and this woman who is. I don't know. There's no inkling that there's like a romantic subtext to them at all, but she immediately strips down to nothing. And we get a lot of gratuitous nudity stuff. And then uh, he he's able to defeat the the ogrely guy who then releases a bunch of I guess nano insects that are poisonous. Sure. And this happens slowly enough that the Yoko is still naked and has walked from the living room where this fight has taken place to the bathroom. At no point does she put a robe on, or does anybody even give her that opportunity. So that what happens is another five minutes of him running around, chased, running away from these insects with her like naked cradle in his arms. And then she's just dead. And it doesn't make a damn lick of sense what's going on. It's funny you're telling this, and I have this vague recollection of all this happening, but that the movie's so haphazardly slapped together, it's also sort of impossible to remember, and I'm glad you did take notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have any way to contextualize any of these things if I didn't have all these notes. Jesus Christ. So so then, so then, she's dead, and, and is Goku particularly concerned that it seems the last uh, good cop on the force is, is dead? No, he's not really. 
he goes back and he's like, hey, chief, we got to, you know, I got to go after this bad guy because he's bad. And the chief is like, oh, too many people have died, so we have to stop. We should just stop investigating now because all of our cops have died. <laughs> Which is- I was like, and, and then I took a note of like, oh, so he's like the, the chief keeping McGonagall, McGonagall from getting results, right? <laughs> do it for me, Billy. Yeah. Um, what is even the mechanism for him to have the case? Because, like, are they paying him? Is he on retainer? Like, why is he even there? Presumably he just knows them and and he swings by now and again to gloat. That's okay. really all I've got. It's like what he probably does is he shows up and he wags his dick around and then sometimes they're like, hey, just go do this for us. Right. That's all I got because he's, he's, he's a horrible person. Yes. And not much of a detective on top of it. No. Well, he doesn't he, – he, he stumbles into everything. The, he gets the eye because he's driving away from something. And now I don't remember what. Well, no, he half gets, hypnotized and he, cuts his eyeball that's, out. Yeah, that's what it is. And I don't. Again, there's no context to. It just drops in the middle of the scene that I have replaced your eye. And, you know that whole spiel. But again, it's not revealed who he got the eye. What the? Why the eye was built? Because they they do mention that there's only one of them in the world. So this is purpose built, I assume, for some reason that we never find out. Is it a thing, and there's, like, very little information on this movie, surprisingly, because it's been out for 20-some years? And so, do you feel like there's supposed to be more after this, and we're supposed to get some kind of reveal? Because it, again, it's just, it's just vapor. Like, there's no, there's no explanation as to why he has this thing, or who gave it to him. I would hope so because there is yeah I mean you 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 said it perfectly there there's no explanation as to why this happened in either part there's no explanation as to why this guy who clearly is like it, there's no evidence that he's better at being whatever he is than anybody else he seems as much a chucklehead as anybody else in this movie who dies oh he's a dope <laughs> and 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 yet he's bestowed with this godlike power without explanation. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, the, okay. The, so the villainous plot of the, of the first one is that this guy owns a strip club and he <laughs> likes hypnotizing and killing cops, I guess. Well, he doesn't, as long as he doesn't do it directly, because I don't know if that's supposed to absolve him or he's supposed to be some kind of weird like passive aggressive pacifist or there's some other machination that we don't understand like maybe in future tokyo if you just make somebody kill themselves through nefarious means you get away like i, I don't understand what or why he's doing that's the no, whole movie though i don't understand <laughs> what or why anything is happening no it's 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 completely unclear this 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 strip club owning evil genius guy his club and home appear to be the same building which is laid out like the interior of the death star for the most part (laughs) he has an entire military crew of people who are monitoring everything all the time and just a bunch of naked lady statues that he basks under while sending out the 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 handlebar cat lady and the uh uh the, the peacock feather lady and 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 but there's there doesn't seem to be any reason for any of it. Yeah, that woman is a cat-like robot 
android who is half of an actual functioning motorcycle. Which I thought was a costume, but apparently is not. So he made that for reasons I can't begin to guess. Right, and 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 so we get this weird thing uh, with ten minutes left in the movie where big bad boss guy is talking to his sidekick, who is a uh, a little person who looks like I, I wrote down Mini Tucci because I think he looks like a little Stanley Tucci, <laughs> who then puts on like gold stormtrooper armor. And rides that lady with the handlebars like she's a motorcycle right. after and, Goku. And it's not even a, a, a like a little person drawn like a little person would actually look. It looks like a miniature person. Like if, if, yeah, yeah, no, if, it's, if, it's if you're like picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. Like he's proportioned to like a, an average sized person, just tiny. Uh, uh, oh, oh, I, I have a note too that the, the villain has a thing about carpeting. He mentions, oh yeah, he's bleeding the carpeting all over being carpet. stained like five times. <laughs> so, so someone really put a lot of detail into that character choice. They were like, "This guy really cares about floor coverings." We have no idea what else he cares about. Also, um, Goku's watery death prison that he finds himself in <laughs> yeah. follows him. <laughs> To the office of the villain that's on the same floor, possibly or possibly not, and waits for him. He's, he's, the, he's so the villain puts the villain has Goku trapped in this hallway, and he floods the hallway. And because Goku has Lisa Left Eye Lopez on his side, he just changes everything about everything. So it's it 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 is there is again zero stakes. <laughs> he moves. I don't know how much water. Through, I mean, we're, we're talking and, like and, millions of gallons. We're talking like yeah, Sea World level water retention in this Nakatomi Plaza Death Star. And I made and I made a note that you know, okay, so he bursts into the villain's office, and this wave of water comes crashing through and knocks the villain out the window. But the villain grabs onto the to the window frame, right? Um, and then and then we're sta- Goku is standing in what's probably I'm guessing three to four foot deep water that is rushing incredibly quickly. Yes. He is not moved by that at all. And I was like, okay, I, I get that you have this left eye thing, but shouldn't this amount of water displace you? <laughs> it seems like there, it, like the, the attention to detail is so non-existent <laughs> when it comes to like how physics might work with this. Oh no, they don't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> and uh, this is where he comes with, where he has the head of the motorcycle lady yeah, he does. He does this Jason the Argonauts Medusa's head thing. <laughs> yeah, and then it's your employee is quitting. She's here, and she's not gonna leave a notice. There's like it's like he's Mister Freeze in the uh, the Schumacher Batman. Like every joke has like six buttons. It's like get on with the fucking line already. This one liner goes on for two and a half minutes. Oh, I mean, and that, yeah, and that's and that is that is the big problem with this. He, he at, at the very beginning. Um, which I, I think we we need to make a special category for this for when we watch these, but like earthquake references, yeah, especially for these movies that take place in Tokyo, because he says, you know, he he makes this big point about opening like uh, they keep rebuilding this stupid city even though there's going to be an earthquake. I don't get it. Yeah, we just had another six ball rocker. <laughs> I forgot about the yeah, because at first. Like, the, everything starts trembling in the frame, and nobody reacts, or he doesn't react to it. 
So yeah, like, is there something, something wrong with like the the? I thought that there was something wrong with the print. Right. Because no one cares. <laughs> then he's like all of a sudden getting his balls rocked. Dude, what? <laughs> How much money are they spending on rebuilding Tokyo? We got leveled by earthquakes at least three times in the last twenty years. Just that Death Star cost I don't know five hundred trillion dollars. Like, what kind of strip club does this guy own? Yeah, at least in Akira, like, the time between uh, catastrophic disasters is long enough that you could buy them building it back up. But Jesus Christ. Yeah, this this implies somehow that there is just a constant rebuilding of this city and that everybody has, like, no one, everyone is nonplussed. <laughs> this is a weird thing, but I know we talked about Spike's character model in the other episode. Did you find his face to be somewhat round compared to the rest of his body? Yeah, you know, a little bit. I mean, it, like I thought that... Kind I, of I, jovial, but also, like, impossibly, like, fist of the North Star ripped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, he's he is a... He is this absurd, weird mutant Adonis. And every, and, and every single one of the women in this looks exactly the same, too. Yeah. It's like... Really, I think what happened here is that you had someone who knew how to draw two types of people, and they were like, okay, now put all these types of people in different costumes. And that was it. There, there, there is no depth. There is no, uh, there's not any real variation. We spend, we spend probably, I'm, I'm going to say 30 of the 50-something minutes in these cash-saving static shots where there's just expositional voiceover yes i was i'm glad you mentioned that because it is very obvious it's it is obnoxious because it's like okay he walks to the car and gets in the car and then and then you just watch a a corvette static in the middle of the screen and there's just like a little motion line in the background and then he talks for five minutes about how great he is Yeah, which is a shame because when things are animated, like I said, the animation is well done, especially when uh, we talked about the the cybernetic arm in the cold open. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so much of that where it's just like a PowerPoint presentation. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, and it's such a poorly done PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> yeah, there, <laughs> there's no thesis, there's nothing to back it up, there's no, no graphics. I, this, at least episode one of these two, stands for nothing like the the main character has no moral compass to speak of there is no uh there's no good or good or bad it's 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 completely morally relativist and it's just uh a weird mishmash of gross sex stuff and uh batons and eyes like there's not there's just nothing happening I everybody would... is inept I would say it's relativist if it wasn't so fucking dumb. Like, it's like, there's no thought put into the fact oh, that it's no, no, amoral. Yeah. It's just, that's happenstance. Yeah, it's it's not intentionally anything. I think, like, <laughs> this, this is something that someone, it's, it feels like, it feels like a, a paper, like a, a high school paper rushed Sunday night. Yeah, because it feels like, if you're going to do this in two parts, and the second one's like ten minutes longer, that the first part is your introduction to Goku, especially if it's going to be a one-hander, but you're kind of just dropped the Maison seed into what's going on, given no context, again, to him, where he's been, and it's not even one of those, like, I don't want them to explain everything to me, but you got to tell me something if I'm going to be with this guy for the next hour and a half. Like, you know absolutely nothing about him. 
uh, other than he is a nominal private detective. Yeah, his, really his origin story is misogynist private detective. Someone gives him an eye for some reason that's super powered. And that's it. I don't even know if it's fair to label him a misogynist because, like, the world exists in, like, a, like a gel of misogyny. That's you know fair. what I mean? <laughs> everything, everything here is set in amber as misogynistic. Right. There is no other gear. That's that's a very fair point. I mean, it's not that, uh, yeah, it's it's not that Goku himself is the problem. It's that everything is a problem. Right. Like I said, what is, I don't even, so let's just kind of wrap up the first part of it because it is, again, it's totally inconsequential. It's cotton candy. It's like a proof of concept for drawing a guy with a necktie and no shirt. Like that's like the whole function of the first and, part. And if that's the only if that's the only <laughs> requirement, then it it, it succeeds. It oh, succeeds yeah. in that. I mean, it, the 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 closing credits song summarizes exactly this, which it has the chorus of fighting in the danger. They repeat fighting in the danger. Dozens of times. That is the chorus of the song that follows this. That follows this story. In the danger. Fighting in the danger. That's that's the chorus. That's the chorus of the song. Dude, it, Kenny Kenny Loggins could have made so much fucking money doing anime soundtracks from like oh God, 1987 yeah. to about 2009 because all those songs and all those movies and TV shows are like that. That that's yeah, and that's a good point because I didn't I didn't put those two together, but that's exactly what it is. It's it's a Kenny Loggins ripoff. Yeah. Let's get into the second part. Um, yeah. They don't they don't have chapter titles or anything, right? It's just part one and part two. Yeah, that's all I, I saw was part one and part two. Now, a lovely thing that we get in in part two is that we find out it's twenty fourteen. Oh yeah, which, that's right. It, I mean, it takes place four years. That helped me a lot because I was like, hey, none of this stuff makes sense. And I went, oh, it's four years ago. No problem. Okay. Oh, yeah. And even it's – this movie's so wildly incompetent. Like even in the – not the subtitles but like the movie subtitles for the town that they're in. Like it's like half capitalized and half not and it like makes no fucking sense. Yeah, all of the – yeah, all of the uh, all of the overlays on his eyes and stuff are, are a mess. <laughs> yeah. On his uh his fucking his identifying X-ray that takes like forty five minutes. Yeah, he's crazy. Like, oh, he can access all the satellites in the world, and guess what? We experience every second of how long it would take to access all those satellites. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so the second one opens with a Chinese mafia captain? Question mark. Is yeah, pretending to be British. He's yeah, he's this guy that's hanging out with a bunch of again scantily clad women and uh it appears that he's like pretending to be a talent scout. And he's like, yes. "Hey, I'm going to make you famous." And the first note I put down was I this creepy guy's a sex trafficker. That's the plot of this. I was like, "Great. I I I feel like they're laying the groundwork early for a plot." Uh, I it's think not Goku, about that at all. <laughs> no, I think Goku even has he has a line that I believe and I I, I don't know off the top of my head. But uh, I think is you're about as British as ramen. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's a second. Uh, it's a weird going to the well again because this is our second cold open cyborg that has nothing to do with anything. 
Yeah. Doesn't he have like cyborg legs or something? Yes, he did. He had okay. uh, he had Darth Maul esque cyborg legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I have a note here that says he's not paralyzed at all. <laughs> hey, my legs! Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, this is another opening. It's like the James Bond cold open, but again, unintentional because it's just like, hey, I'm Goku, and it leads to nothing. Yeah. Oh no. It, yeah. It goes nowhere. I mean, it, it <laughs> literally. It is a. It is a rollerblade chase. There. The the context around the evil doing is that presumably this guy convinces girls that think they can sing to hang out and then he kills them or sells them into sex slavery. Right. And if you're but, writing this movie and you don't suffer from hydrocephaly, you would use this as the in to introduce the female lead of this part. Yeah, there would be something. <laughs> she would be one of the girls possibly, but that's not what happens. No, no, none of these people <laughs> matter after three minutes. They're all gone. There is a rollerblade chase, some pole vaulting, and then Goku drowns this man with robot legs. And that's it. And then we get a voiceover where he basically says, I'm just an ordinary guy with all these wacky abilities because of my magic left eye. And his, his impossible pole vault that's also a laser cannon taser thing, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, because he can, he can now pole vault <laughs> and shoot the laser at the same time. <laughs> yeah, he unlocked that. It really is. This is it. This is like uh, uh, a very poorly designed video game, in that there's just incomprehensible connections between the things that happen. But I guess if you were being Goku, it could almost be entertaining. I guess. Like I feel like it, that pole vault thing is going to give your triceps a hard time after a while. And that, God. And then so what? What is even the inciting incident? How does he run into? Um... Roy Batty's sister. They're like in a sewer or something for some He's, reason. Okay, so after he drowns the guy, there's like this graduate style shot where she's, <laughs> she as the uh, femme fatale, at least she's set up as something to begin with, even though she ends up being, again, nothing. Yeah. But uh, she's like, hey, my, uh, we ha- you have to help me save my brother, I guess, is what, is what it is. And then they start getting chased by robot sewer dragons. Yes. And so this is, this is the point where he reveals his uh, cybernetic eye, which again seems like a very low key upgrade in this world, and she is totally flummoxed by it. Oh, yeah, she is blown away that, like, oh, they did. Your eye is special? Like, that's bullshit. They, how did they do that? Her no. brother is a fucking murderous cyborg with a force field. And this computer eye that's also, like, a GPS and a very low-grade camera, she just can't believe it. She can't believe he has Google Glass. Right. (laughs) Which is really all it is. He's got Google Glass and a baton. He's like a drum major. (laughs) No offense to the drum majors out there. Uh, I mean, I don't care. Keep keeping the beat. I don't know if that's our demo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So, yeah, so then he's able to do some Moses stuff to kill the robots. Because, again, this, for being something that could have stakes, like, these these action sequences could seem to to matter, but they never do because he dispatches everything super quickly. 
Yeah, why not just give him reality warping powers? Why the computer controlling eye specifically? Because it seems like it is totally limitless and not necessarily linked to machines whatsoever. You mean like the Bradley Cooper vehicle limitless? Uh, yes, or the television show based on said vehicle limitless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, the limitless people should just reboot this. Like, that, that's what we need. He's also like a hydromancer and possibly a telekinetic who is mostly invulnerable. Yeah, he doesn't he does not get hurt. And he fights things that should hurt him. Yeah, like you he said does. there's there's no stakes in this at all. So yeah, okay. So so he kills those robots with zero stakes. And then uh Yoshiko, I think is her name. Okay. Uh Jumps to the fuck you pretty fast because she's like, you don't have, whatever, that eye thing, that's that's garbage. And then we get an exposition dump about her brother being uh, a, milita- a military subject again. This yes. is the same situation that happened in the Cowboy Bebop movie. Were they, doing and- a lot of, were they doing a lot of testing on the military in Japan? Is this one of those weird psyche things? Like, were they doing Tuskegee experiments? Over there and, like, um, what the hell? I can't. Uh, fuck. What is the LSD experiment called? It's, like, the... Oh, um, yeah. Uh, oh, jeez. I... Fuck. Yeah. Get Alex Jones on the phone and ask him what that thing's called. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's not doing shit right now, right? MK Ultra. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So they, there... made that, they made that really, uh... That Jesse Eisenberg movie about it. God, that movie sucks. <laughs> I can't believe that... Yeah, anyway, that's... I fucking hate Max Landis so much. But, yeah, was, is there a history of that? Because I know they did give them, like, amphetamines to the the Zero Fighters, the Kamikazes, but, like, I don't yeah. know if they have a history of weird experiments on people because it's, it's something that's a big plot point in Akira. It's a big plot point in the Cowboy Bebop movie. And it's a big plot point in this, and it's like one of the only plot points in this, you know, 90 minutes of schlock. Yeah, I, I, I think it's got to be the, it has to be that whole thing where, you know, the military was all, was like an all-in enterprise. Like, you had to be perfectly loyal to it, and okay. so maybe they're playing with that. But there's all, I mean, there's also this thing that since World War II, they're not allowed to have weapons or a military. Right. So, uh, I don't know if the the assumption is that, oh, we're not allowed to have an official thing, so there must be all these down-dirty projects going on. I, I, I didn't yeah. think about that. I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of the best thing I can come up with. But, but again, like I, I, I feel like it's just as plausible that this was a ripoff of, well, hey, Blade Runner was a thing, right? Yeah. It's just, like, this is a very, this is a, a good hard-boiled path to take a missing person story, I guess, if you want to have a lot of crazy action that doesn't make any sense. And it's not even, like, you know, a subtle ripoff, because the character model looks like Roy Batty with a mustache. Oh, yeah. Well, the one doesn't have a mustache, the other one does. Right. So, and the the girl is alternately referred to as the stepdaughter and foster daughter of this general... So I'm not really sure exactly what her relation is to him. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. There, maybe there, but you don't, okay. 
I think what happened is she gave birth to the missing brother. That is what happened. But what so, is... Yeah. So whatever it is is incestuous either way. Right. Because the bad guy either impregnated his daughter or bad guy impregnated his sister to make a son? I... Yeah. It's, it is confounding. Right. So they make this what you're led to believe is a cyborg who also might have cybernetic parts. Um, he definitely has PTSD in a big way, but he is generating some kind of repulsor field by technological or magical means. I didn't catch. I assume technological. It, it they... feels like he's, he's psychically angry. And okay. so he emits a field of, of, uh, Energy, I guess. Okay. But he also seems capable of controlling it. See, this is what gets confusing about this, because for the first, I don't know, 30 minutes, it would appear that he is, this guy is gone. There's nothing left to him. He is he has just become uh, the monster that he was made to be. And then you get these really weird periods of time where, no, he's completely cogent, able to have a conversation, doesn't just kill things willy-nilly. No. Like, I, I, I thought for a little bit that we had, like, a, uh, a Scott Summers Cyclops situation where this guy just, no one's going to give this guy a pair of sunglasses, so he's running around and he's got to look at stuff. And he doesn't mean to. He doesn't mean to kill things, but it's just happening. But then it appears that, no, he's just, I, I don't know what his motivations are. He's, well, I mean, he's revenge motivated, but everybody who gets in his way, it doesn't seem to matter. Nate, I have to confess something. There is a scene in this where he is, uh, this cyborg, psychic, soldier, clone, is having sex with a possible prostitute. Yeah. Where yep. I thought, and I had to rewind it, I thought he ejaculated and blew her head off. Oh, no, because, yeah. Because it happens so quickly. What happens is he has some kind of flashback as he's coming... And shoots an energy beam that decapitates her. Yep. Yeah. Cause. Okay, so his his flashbacks are like Wolverine and Weapon X. He's like yes. submerged in a tank and connected to a bunch of stuff, and all these scientist dudes keep leaning over and looking at him, and he's freaking out. Right. And yeah. So so there's the scene where he's this woman is is riding him. And, uh, yeah, he's just, like, grunting and freaking out, and then suddenly we cut, and he has just chopped her head right off. Yeah, he gave her a sonic boom. Yeah. I really thought he blew her head off with his load, and I was going to applaud a brave choice like that, but... Mm. That would have been better. <laughs> I mean, it would have been in, it would have been on brand for the rest of it, right? It, like, yeah, it would have... I mean, it would have aligned with everything else we've seen, and it would have at least been, like... I don't know, there would have been something maybe more empathetic about that. Like, maybe he didn't freak out, but he just didn't know that that was going to happen. Right. But we have so few opportunities to empathize with this guy, who definitely isn't a, a clear villain, because obviously his clone dad is the, right. the, the real villain. They honestly do a better job... Uh, I'll, I'll give this one compliment. They do a better job of making you empathize with... Uh, I can't pronounce the character's name, but the cyborg we're talking about. Then they do I think it's with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then they do with Vincent in the Cowboy Bebop movie. 
Oh no, yeah, it's it. I mean, you, you get you get a a quick and coherent explanation of what happened, which is, hey, I I I used your sister to make a clone of me yeah. that was going to be a super soldier, and I didn't care about you, and no one does, and you're garbage, and I'm sorry, but not sorry. Right. And, and you're that like, flash, okay, but, that yeah. flashback works well. The little bit of it in there, it's like. Both of them are trash, but this one less so than the first one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit. Okay, so you have you have this weird scene. Okay, there's a weird scene in the middle where uh, big big clone warrior guy is, I guess, living in a cargo ship, and sure. uh, uh, and a group of like motorcycle punks. Are riding around trying to find him, I think, but they're also just kind of trying to rape this girl dressed in like club clothing. Yes. Who one? I have no idea how she got there, and the best explanation I had is that she was pursued by the moped teens, like Flanders was, until he got to Donnie's Discount Gas, and she just <laughs> kept walking away from them. I don't know. Uh. So the problem is, is that. Uh, she, I guess, so she kind of survives because clone guy kills all the biker punks. Right. But then she's of no consequence, too. Oh, yeah, because he does, like, a Magneto slash Human Torch thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then they, and, and then we get some science, some very valuable science, which is that it smells like ozone wherever this guy has been. Because That's right. We his detective work. Condensed stuff. <laughs> Sure. I, I think. <laughs> so then we get a 25 and a half minute uh, satellite ozone tracking montage that was just riveting. Can we talk about how Goku with limitless power that could nuke this guy from space decides that his best course of action is to get a Kitty Pride powered missile and build the bitchinest of bitchin' Camaros to assault this guy? Yeah. Yeah, I... I because because this is like all, I think these are toy commercials. I think that's it what feels these are. that way, doesn't it? It's like, hey, look, uh, these are the new products in the line. Uh, we're going to use them. They don't make any sense. Yeah, he could just he could just nuke the guy, or he could use. I mean, I, I'm sure he could create like a satellite containment system or something. Uh, it seems that he he has no, uh, you know, there are no then, boundaries to what he can do. So why would right, you go but, this route? But he's such a fucking dildo. Like, he has no imagination, so he just builds a hot rod and yeah, he steals just a, a missile. He, he A-teams up a car. <laughs> With the power of every mechanized equipment on Earth and possibly the control of the elements, he makes a car. Yeah, and, and it works. It does. It works so well. <laughs> well, I mean, he told me, I guess. Uh, I mean, okay. And uh, we we forgot the part where he, he has... The, now, there's not nudity in this sequence, but he has sex with, with Yoshiko, with the sister. Yes. Um, which makes no sense at all. It's, it, it's, it's shoehorned in there the way that, like, a Cinemax uh, movie would shoehorn in a, a scene. It's just like, yeah, okay, so it's a mystery and... Now we're by the fireplace, because why wouldn't we be? And there you go. Right. And then, yeah. Uh, A-team's his thing, so he's driving, like, a Batmobile thing. 
Yeah, it's the it's the Batmobile from the Dark Knight Returns, almost. But like yeah. a, like a cooler version of that. And and then everybody gets killed. Yeah. Uh, we we get the reveal. Oh no, he's a clone, and his sister was actually his mom. Right. And then they're both just dead. Yeah, and he gets pinned up against the wall by this psychic force field, electromagnetic generator, whatever the fuck's going on with this cyborg, for like hours. <laughs> yeah, he's just hanging on the wall. And yeah, to where he he calls the car via his left eye. And they make a point to mention that the eye has audio receptors in it for what? Like, I mean, I, would I, they? I mean, it's connected to his brain, right? Does it also need external audio sensors besides the two that are already on his head? You you would like, think Why is that... there a speaker in his fucking eyeball, Nate? <laughs> because it's, it's the left eye. <laughs> it's the power of the left eye. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't even know. There's just like uh, the they have a fight. He kills the dad that kind of looks like M Bison at the end of the movie too. Yeah, he also kind of looks like like an HGH James Battis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's like the army guy. Like if you draw that, that's what he looks like. Yeah, he's he's like yeah, military strong man, uh, yeah. bad dude, and. And yeah, and that's it. And then the voiceover closes with Goku lamenting, like, how much trouble Yoshiko was. Yeah. As, this, as, this dead oh, chick that I slept with really caused me a tough time, guys. I guess what? that's the end of my adventure. Well, no, he says something. I think it's to the effect of, oh, that's the last time I try and fuck a pretty woman. Who am I kidding? I'm going to try and fuck all of them. And then it just kind of ends. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it's just over. And we're back to fighting in the danger again. Like, the whole thing is her fault. Yeah, <laughs> there is it. This the the second part is so much more disgusting because it lays all of this on this woman who dies again because he's unable to actually save anyone. He's really good at protecting himself. Yes, and he's all quippy eighties one action one liners, but he has absolutely no soul. <laughs> yeah, he should. It should have just ended with, ha, 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 what a bitch. Like, yeah, well, I, and that's what it was. Right. <laughs> I, I don't even, I, I'm having such a hard time formulating, like, anything cogent about this movie, because it is, like, two hours of fucking nothing. Yeah, but, it's... But it's the most frenetic nothing it's like, this, and I don't want to sound bad because I do love these movies, this makes Crank 2 look like a remembrance of things past. Like, it's so just, like, bullshit, no stakes, just, well, least, well Crank kind of has stakes, but kind of doesn't. Well, it, 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 the, the difference is, is like, the, the Crank movies, at least, uh, there is, one, there's, like, a lightheartedness. That yeah. doesn't exist in this. These these two things are so deeply self serious that it's it's like it, because if if they had if they had gone like if they had gone thirty percent more comedy with this like they had been if they had incorporated some of that cowboy bebop like hey we're gonna have a character that falls over and it's gonna be kind of goofy 
Yeah. Like, this might have been more enjoyable. You but instead, all... it's just like, no, everything is brutally serious, and this is all real, and this is all dark, and it's vice, and it's bad. If this movie came out two years ago, I feel like you could convince me that this is the most brilliant satire of, like, the hard-boiled anime you could make. Because it's, like, it's bordering on that, like, satirical genius, like, totally accidentally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it... it... Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it is really, it's like Rambo 3 as compared to uh, the original film. Right. It, it, it gets what the characters are. It gets, like, the, the roles of the characters. It has no idea what the meaning behind any of the stuff is, or that there's even supposed to be any meaning. Yeah, it is brilliant in its stupidity. And it, I mean, it is. It's just it, really what it is. Is it's like it's an anime encapsulation of like the darkest point of the '80s, which is it's all just weird fashion, cocaine, it abusing is, women, and driving fast cars. Like that's all like, it is. It is like a movie Gordon Gecko would produce. Yeah, <laughs> it's that. That's what it is. This is this is this is the Wall Street movie <laughs> of anime. Yeah, and I love exploitation, and that kind of sh- exploitation movies, not like actual exploitation of people. <laughs> oh no, we so, know. Like, I, I'm not sensitive about that shit, but this is so. It's also pointless that it's it's bothersome. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, look. It, so I was really, I really had high hopes at some of these moments because you know that uh, some of the gratuitous nudity and then the weird cyberpunk elements, like. I really thought, hey, this could be really interesting if, like, if the if this like cadre of strippers from the first part turns out to be some sort of like evil uh, Fantastic Four kind of thing, right. and he's going to have to face off against them. But, uh, but again, because no stakes, like the the hypnotic peacock feather lady just gets like blasted in the chest with with his baton rod. And she's like, oh, no, why didn't it work? I'm useless now. And then she's dead. And then the motorcycle one shoots the laser and misses everything, and then she's dead. And it's like, well, these these were, like, the most tangible, cool things you had going. And, even and just... Like, even the cover of the fucking... A bunch of the DVDs is a him in crosshairs holding his baton... Smiling with the motorcycle woman crouched in front of him, also smiling, which contextually makes no sense. Oh yeah, you would think that they were going to be uh, somehow on the same team, or at least that would have been cool. That would have been an interesting team up. Yeah, but she's like a Nell, right? She's like, oh, I mean, yeah, she's uh, yeah, a Jodie Foster Nell, not a Nell Carter Nell. God bless and keep her. <laughs> No, yeah, she's, she is, uh, she is, I mean, okay, there is a particularly gross sequence where the, the, the evil bad guy strip club owner is, is, she's just, like, prowling around him like his pet cat, and just, she's just, like, crawling around, and he's, he's, like, petting her under the chin. She's not human. She's, she's something else. What are the chances, did this cat robot motorcycle woman has genitals? Do you think like 
Do you think this is a thing made for him to fuck, or he just is weird and keeps it around and, like, some kind of weird asexual, or is there any thought put into it at all? Like, am I, like, grasping for something here? I I gotta say, I think he, he most just wants to fuck those rugs. Like, he's most concerned with the carpet. Yeah, he's very concerned about the decor of that place. I, I, I think, yeah, I think he's supposed to be this, like, uh, encapsulation of... Uh, consumerist greed or something because he doesn't have he he wants for nothing and he has absurd stuff that doesn't make any sense and, and you don't and, know yeah, I don't, I don't think he wants I don't think he sees anything sexual about these women I think they're just like utilities for him and what does he want like what is at least the motivation of the villain in the second part like makes some kind of sense this guy like who knows what he wants like he should have a Chinese boy throwing firecrackers around him while uh, Sister Christian plays. He's like, yeah. He, he he's he's maybe selling drugs. Is he selling drugs? Is that a thing that he was doing? Sure, but this seems like an awfully long way to go to fucking beat a drug selling rap, especially when you have sold so many drugs that you own a ten thousand story fortress in the middle of future Tokyo. Yeah, at some point you just. You just sit on your assets and go, hey, you know what? I, I can handle the, the interest. The interest I'm going to gain on this. We'll just, yeah. just go with that. Because, <laughs> yeah, the, the, second, the second villain is, I mean, he's an arms dealer who's going to play these two groups against each other by using, oh, wait, uh, booby-trapped geese? <laughs> <laughs> that, which, if... If they knew how to be funny, that would have been the funniest possible thing. Because it's like, you get this scene where sidekick guy's like, oh, so, you know, uh, don't worry, general uh, so-and-so who's going to buy this. These geese are going to migrate south to where your enemy lives. And then once they start mating, they'll turn into, like, poisonous gas bombs, I guess. It'll be a pate of death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's yeah. I mean, I I I think you hit it on the head. I think that this is I think that this is like a a really well done parody of what anime is, and it's just not marketed that way. Right, because they didn't mean to do that. Oh no, yeah, they they had. I don't think they had any idea what they were doing. This this reeks of like whatever the the uh, uh, canon films equivalent for animation is. Yeah, going into being like, oh yeah, well let's. We're going to buy, uh, we'll buy the Fantastic Four. We'll make a movie. I'll make a Roger Corman movie about that. Yeah, just do it. Just make one. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's like the movie is a fucking runaway train and they're throwing plot elements out the window and never looking back. It's like, fuck this, drop this, get rid of it. Like, it's just, and then it just kind of ends. Yeah, it, and, and, and it just ends on uh, the same universal note, which is uh, women Women are terrible and they ruined this for me. Yeah, like, this was... <laughs> If this was a movie, the podcast movie, we would uh, invoke the old, if you're going to be bad, at least be confusing uh, yeah. theorem of filmmaking. And they certainly nail that because this movie is not boring. No, I don't think it's boring at all. I mean, it, 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 I, I, I was not bored in either of the two hours. I, I kind of enjoyed I mean I, I was I was in I was taking it as an exercise to take notes for this where I was just like whoa this is this is insane 
So on that note, you want to get to our uh, waifus? I feel like I'm having a hard time with mine, so why don't you go first? How many waifus for Goku uh, Midnight Eye or The Midnight Eye? I don't know if there's an article there or not. I, you know, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Goku Midnight Eye three waifus because there, there's at least, there's at least some interesting elements. Um, but that's where it all stops. Okay. Um, I'll, God, I don't even know. Like, just from like, this movie is like eminently watchable if you're a shithead. Oh yeah, if you if if, <laughs> if if you align with these ideas about how the world should work, and you like the idea of this guy who's just gonna be like, yeah, business is good because you know I'm great, which is I think literally a line he says. Yeah, I guess I'll give it a, f- I'll give it a four. Um, I was not bored. It didn't suffer from the kind of saggy middle that uh, Cowboy Bebop does because it doesn't have a middle. Oh, it, it, yeah, it's it's really just like... It's uh, it's a movie with two third acts. Yeah? Yeah, that's... <laughs> like, and that's it. It, I mean... It's, it's, it's all just resolution of conflict and nothing else. Yeah, and even saying it's resolution of conflict is, is giving it a lot of credit. It's just like resolution of exposition. Well, it, Nate, if I murder you with a Camaro... After we had an argument, I would say that conflict has been resolved. Um, like, that's fair. That's uh, yeah. That's a good point. It is. It is all resolution of conflict. It's. Oh, they're just. I mean, I, I. I. would. I would. I would probably watch this again at some point because it's the sort of thing that you could put on really late at night and just be like, "This is crazy." Like it is just. It is crazy animated, uh, action trash. It, it is a one of those you gotta see it type things. Like you gotta watch this. Let's put this on at least part of it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I would I would recommend that anybody listening to this at least check it out. It to is see, on Amazon. to see what we're trying to allude to because yeah, it's free if you have Amazon. And is, uh, I mean, I, I freezos from Bezos. Yes, uh, assuming you do have Prime. And yeah, I just I I mean I don't know how. I think you and I are both equally sort of stuck in how else to talk about this thing that 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 it is <laughs> because without having seen it it's like it it is it is just a jumble of adjectives and nouns that don't belong together when you put it into language. Yeah, it is a it's a visual word salad. <laughs> but um any idea what you want to do next week? Oh man, you know that that uh, we could try watching that Street Fighter thing, if you wanted. Yeah, uh, is, is it a movie or is it a show? I didn't look at it. I think it might have been a show. It was also in the Prime anime. Okay. Um, I don't know how many episodes it is, so we could just kind of decide if we want to watch like two or three or something. Yeah, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll yeah. post something on the Facebook. But, uh, uh, but yeah, they had a lot of uh, there were a lot of nice uh, customers also watched options where yeah. I was like oh I, I we should check out all these this is great yeah but uh all right man well as always I love you hey it's I love you too to. and uh, we'll do this again next week uh, same time uh, if you're listening to this obviously it's up now I was gonna say it'll be up this weekend but. 
if you're listening to it, it's already happened. So, yeah, you you might already know uh, things that we don't know now, which puts you in a uniquely Goku Midnight Eye position with your magic left eye future. <laughs> left eye. All right, brother. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see you. <laughs> see you later. Bye. Bye.